This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Thanks so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark on its new day, Tuesday. If you're wondering, like, hey, there's a new episode out right now, it's because I decided that I didn't want to do it on Fridays anymore because on Fridays... The, the feed goes way up, and then on the weekend, no one seems to listen, and then it doesn't pick up for the rest of the week. So, I wanted to see what it would be like if I moved it to the middle of the week in the new year to see how that makes the feed go up. So, the episodes are on Tuesdays now. Yay! Alright, um, welcome to this new episode. Welcome to 2019. I am recording this, actually, on December 31st, 2018. So, by the time you hear this, it'll be like two weeks into the new year, and I hope you are drinking water, I hope you are being super disabled, and I hope you are loving your disabled slash chronically ill slash mad life, and um, yeah, let's get started. So, for thing, for, 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 first thing is first, we got a massive pledge today. I was hanging out, just, just getting stuff ready to record two back-to-back Disability After Darks, and I get a pop in my email box, and I see somebody pledged $10 a month, and I was like, whoa, because we haven't gotten one of those in a while, so I was immediately like, who is this person? They're amazing. Thank you, and I want to give a shout-out to to Lindsay Smith, who pledges $10 a month. Lindsay, you blow my heart up to smithereens. It's the worst pun ever, I know. I'm sorry. Thank you so much for your pledge. You get... (coughs) Early episodes, bonus content, all the things. A shout out for me personally, which I just did just there. Uh, you are supporting. <coughs> I I think maybe I have a cold during this recording. It's okay. You are supporting Cripple Content, Lindsay Smith, and I can't thank you enough. If you're listening and you are financially able to support this show, I would more than appreciate any help you can offer. You can head over to patreon.com slash crippled content and pledge as little as one dollar a month to keep this show going and keep this disability content happening whatever you can if you can't donate tell your friends see if they can donate put the word out there download the show whatever you can do at Lindsay smith you're amazing thank you so much also some coolish podcast news last week for like an hour and a half i was the number seven podcast in sex sexuality on 
iTunes Canada. That was fun. That happens every now and then, and that's always nice to see that the that the podcast is one of the top podcasts in the, in the sexuality forum because we don't see that a lot in disability. So I always appreciate that. That was fun. And I'm gonna stop rambling about the show except to say, oh yeah, Brooklyn, you are our highest listener downloads right now. Hey Brooklyn, what up? I would love to come back to New York. I've been to Manhattan, but I've never been to Brooklyn. So if anybody wants to go on a disabled date with me there, hit me up. Let's find a way to get me out there. Let's find me to do a talk. Let's figure out something. Brooklyn, I want to be in you or you in me. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to start the show now, I promise. Okay, so before I get to the interview, I need to give you some awesome background on how today's guest, Charlie Garner, came to me. You may have heard a few weeks ago on the pod that they donated to me, and I put a shout-out to them on on an episode, and I said something like, Oh, Charlie, you garner the something of my heart. Um, And they sent me the sweetest email when I first came in contact with them. And I just feel like I need to read it to you to give you context on why I immediately was like, you have to come on the show. So let me read the email to you now and let me let you know all about Charlie. So I'm sitting at home. I'm doing stuff. I'm watching TV. I'm just bumming around one day in early December. And I get this email in my email box at like noontime. And I'm hanging out and I get this email and it says... Hi, Andrew. I hope you're having a great day. I just wanted to reach out and say a massive thank you for your amazing podcast. I listened for the first time today after hearing it advertised on the end of the latest Multi-Amory podcast. Hey, Multi-Amory. Shout out. Thanks, yo. She says, I've been missing out. Where has this podcast been on my life? Exclamation point question mark. It was so wonderfully refreshing to hear people talk about disability in a sex-positive, queer-friendly, and humorous way. You have a wonderful interviewing approach. I know you and Bella were not in the same room, but it was like listening into a cozy conversation of two people curled up on a couch over a cup of tea. It's so great to find somebody telling these stories. Honestly, I just got to the end of an episode and cried. Keep up the awesome work. I'm off to listen to all your episodes now. Thanks, Charlie. I got this and I was like, whoa, this person's awesome. And I immediately was like, thank you so much you're awesome thank you thank you thank you um and i was just floored by the email like i I always am super touched when i get emails like that and then um i said you know and then charlie said i'd love to be a guest would you want to come on as a guest and i was like of course i do want to do that so we started talking and this is kind of the interview that came from our conversation Charlie is a freelance photographer, producer in the UK. She lives with multiple levels of disability every day uh, and various things she's dealing with. As you'll hear in the episode, she is queer, bisexual, cisgendered, female, non-monogamous. And she sent me a laundry list of things that she deals with and how those affect her sex life. And our, the, the episode goes into all of that. We talk about her allergy to sperm. We talk about her uh, fibromyalgia. We talk about her IBS. We talk about how all these things make sex and dating and all these things make it 
different for her and difficult for her. And it was just really nice to sit down with her and have a chat. Also, she's British, which I just... Anybody across the pond listening, and I know there are people across the pond listening, get in touch with me because I love British people and I want to have you on the show more. Um, We just had a really fun chat. Really, the show focuses primarily on her being allergic to sperm and how that greatly affects her sex life and the things she can and cannot do because of that. It was a really, really fun, frank chat, and I'm, I'm just in love with her, and I hope you will be too. Here's my interview with Charlie Garner. Charlie, again, you've garnered my heart right here on Disability After Dark. So it's recording. Uh, hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Charlie Garner. I first of all, I am extra. I'm all, I mean, I'm always excited when I guest on my show, but this one is extra special because you emailed me like three weeks ago out of the blue. I get an email in my in the Disability After Dark email box, being like, "Hey, just wanted to let you know that I stumbled on your show and it like changed my life." And I literally was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Oh my goodness, because, you know, it's, it's people tell me they like the show, they listen, like, it's great, I get reviews, but to get a, an email from somebody that was literally, like, your show changed my life, I remember, I read it, like, three times, and I was like, huh, like, I was so happy, because I didn't, because, you know, I make the show, and I just do it, and, it, like, I know people listen, but because I don't want to be like, I'm the best, I don't think of it, like, as, like, this awesome thing I'm doing, so to know that... It's touched you is like I get my heart swelled and I sent you an email back right away being like oh my god thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was great I um yeah I only found the show probably about yeah like three weeks ago and I've now gone through almost the entirety of the back catalogue um because I love it so much I think something in it just really kind of connected uh to me and that uh, I just don't think there is a space I've never come across such a welcoming space before um, for people to talk about sex and disability. E- well, really, even to talk about sex or disability, but to have them both together it was just, yeah, it was just brilliant. Oh, my, again, my heart is like. <laughs> um, so, hello, your name is Charlie Garner. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Hello. Um, yep, I'm Charlie. Uh, I am a professional photographer. I'm 26, and I'm from the UK. That's what I thought when you started talking. When I looked, when I looked you up, I was like, oh, "They're from the UK." I then I immediately was like, "I have to <laughs> right away," because I'm kind of an anglophile. I, I don't know. I'm, you may be too young to know, but I, absolutely fabulous is my like favorite show in the history. Oh, the it's world. Fab. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's my favorite, sh- and that one. What else do I watch that's British that I love? The Vicar of Dibley. <gasps> Love the Vicar of Dibley. When she jumps in the puddle and it's like... <laughs> so good. It's, it's, oh, like, it's such a shame. I, I, that's one thing about British TV that I both love and hate. Like, you only get you only get like three series and then that's it and then the show's done and then they're which i love because i'm like good you always end on a high note but also fuck give me more i wish the figuratively was still on it's always on the tally over christmas so you can always watch over christmas and they always do like the red nose they always do red nose like funny things because yes yeah i want don french to be my best friend so i'm a little bit like i'm obsessed with her and her and uh jennifer saunders i just like (laughs) 
this is but we're not making a show about <laughs> British TV that I love. We're actually <laughs> yeah, we can make a show about British TV if you want. We should. That's. <laughs> It's going to be another classic Andrew episode yeah. of giggling for It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm all right with that. It's fun. I like that you also understand that most of my episodes with guests are me giggling. That's Best good. bit. That's what, yeah, that's what people want. They want my giggling. Um, so when we were about to record today, I didn't do any questions like I usually do because, one, I forgot, and two, then attending care stuff happened. So, but you sent, when you sent in your questionnaire, you sent in so much for us to go through. Like, I don't even know where to begin. You sent us so many things. So first, why don't you tell us kind of what your diagnoses are and what kind of disabilities you live with? Um, Okay, so um, I have um, lots of different diagnoses of invisible illnesses. Oh, I know. I read the the chart. I know. You read the essay. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think if we go through everything I wrote, we might be here for about three hours. It's (laughs) going to be an extended super cut. Get ready. (laughs) We could turn it into like a mini-series. Charlie, the mini-series. Episode one through four, yeah. (laughs) Um, So... The ones that mainly affect uh, my life and my sex life at the moment are I have fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain condition. Um, I also have very severe allergies um, and I also have uh, PTSD. Those are the three that mainly affect me kind of day to day um, and uh, and really the ways that, that affect my sex life. But then I also have had lots of different um, diagnoses over the years that are still kind of floating around. I've had ME or CFS, migraines, IBS, hypermobility, asthma. It kind of like, it's just quite a lot of them. But um, yeah, if we talk about them all, we'll be here all year. Like literally, <laughs> yeah, I can see. But you, then, then we have to have you back for like a, a special, you know what? We can, we'll do main stuff on this one that people are listening to right now. And then, then for the Patreon listeners, we can do, there, there are things we can do, but I wanted to give you a shout out cause I have IBS too. I feel you. Uh, yep. Dealing with, <laughs> I'm dealing with some IBS joy today. So, oh, sorry. So it's, yeah, no, I, I feel you for sure. Um, <laughs> again, not really sure where to start because there's so much going on here. So let's start with, <laughs> let's start with. One of the very first things you wrote to me was your relationship to pain and sex. Um, talk to me about that and kind of for you. Yeah, so um, I think probably my fibro affects my sex life in the way that you know, probably a lot of people's um, illnesses or disabilities affect their sex life in that, you know, there's times that I don't want to have sex, there's times when I can't have sex, um, there's times when my skin gets really sensitive and I can't bear to be touched. Um, but I think one of the main things um, for me that is that um, sex is actually an amazing form of pain relief. Yeah, so I'm discovering that I, I, I actually had a lover like maybe an hour and a half ago. Also, part of why I forgot, I was sucking some dick. <laughs> it was su- oh, like, to be real, to be real with you, Charlie, because we're, we're friends now. So, yeah, yeah. So I was also, you think best excuse for being late I've ever heard. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was sucking some dick. Also sucking some, I was sucking some sexy sex worker dick. So I was, a little, I was busy. Um, but I got it. And I, ha- I was having, you <laughs> thank you. I was having spasms today because of my CP and because of all the things. And so I know, yeah, sex is a great 
pain reliever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like I'm in pain like 24 hours a day. The only times when I'm not in pain is when I'm asleep um, oh. or when I'm having really great sexy times. And it's just <laughs> it's just fab because I get, I definitely like I just don't get pain relief from anything else. Like the medication doesn't work. The closest I can get to it from something that's kind of non-sexual is like sitting in a really nice hot tub with all the bubbles and, and the then jets. Yeah. Um, but it's not as good as sex. Oh, sex is like. <laughs> So, lovers of disabled people, if we're ever in pain, just offer us your bodies and we might say yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, my partner's lovely. He says, like, sometimes I'm in a lot of pain and he's like, which sexy thing from the smorgasbord would you like today? And he's like, you can just lie there and I'll just, like, do nice things to you. And I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, uh, that's amazing. What was, your, what was it like for you, for you to kind of have those conversations about pain and fibro with your partner? Um, I think it was it was okay. I think you know I've had uh, the diagnosis for for many years now, and so my current partner, you know, um, he's known about it since before we started dating. So it's definitely something that that it's kind of just been about finding kind of uh, the best way for me. And actually, I'm also still improving. So I, my fibro is better now than it was a year and a half ago when we got together. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, you know kind of going definitely at the moment going in the in the right direction which makes things easier yeah. what are your what would you say to because there are people who hear you say fibro who are like oh fibro is not a real thing it, it's not a, like what do you say <laughs> to those people who don't want to believe that you have an invisible illness uh do you want to swap bodies for a day and then you can tell me how unreal it is um i think you know it's a hard one um people can't see that you're in pain all the time um they can't you know they can they can sometimes see the effects of it but they can't see um you know really how it feels and i think a lot of people with invisible illnesses is go through that so um i can i can definitely see it's hard to relate um but you know we've all experienced some kind of um you know pain or illness in our life and I think it's just about trying to be as empathetic as you can you're never going to live someone else's experience yeah. um, listen to what they say and kind of take that in um, I think I used to have um, uh, ME or, or chronic fatigue syndrome and I, it has two names and at the time when I was diagnosed I was only about 10 and so they were they were in that transition nowadays they like to use the chronic fatigue syndrome diagnosis rather than the ME one because the ME one the scientific words are not that accurate um, but I always chose to tell people that it was ME because if you say it's chronic fatigue syndrome they never ask and engage with what's wrong with you yeah. they just say oh, I'm really tired all the time too and that's the end of the conversation and I think there's a big drive in the medical community kind of moving like the doctors are moving away from the more sort of scientific terms into the more um, like more kind of describing what's wrong with you more the and I th- terms yeah yeah yeah, and I can kind of see where they do that, but I think um, I've definitely found as a patient that it means that you try and explain to your friends, they never then ask what's wrong and they never... So with chronic fatigue, I always had, um, you know, had loads of symptoms. I had, uh, you know, muscle pains and nausea and headaches and sore throats and all sorts of things. But as soon as you say it's just chronic fatigue, people are like, oh, you're just tired. Well, I'm tired too. <laughs> and, uh, it's really very frustrating. And you're like, it's not the same fucking thing. Shut up. <laughs> it's not and you know as somebody with ibs like it's i have i have a visible disability and i have an invisible disability because when i say i'm having stomach pain Uh people don't understand what that's like and that it is some of the like painful farts are some of the worst pain that i've Uh ever had in my whole life and Uh it's it can be 
it's so weird to have both an invisible disability and a visible disability now because I'm used to my CP. I know what that looks like. I know how that manifests. I know that. When I uh. contracted IBS last year, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is all new. And so, like, and I think because I have a physical disability, people believed me a little bit more because I already, I'm already disabled. So, so sure, he's in pain. Um, uh-huh. And I'm not sure where my question was going with that, but that was just a statement that I want to make. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely feel the IBS. Can I tell my IKEA story now? Oh my! I'm just going to jump in oh, there with yeah, one of my. You put it in the <laughs> yes, tell your IKEA story. I'm ready. So I was on a third date with someone uh, quite a few years ago. It was just as my fibro started. I was on a lot and lot, a lot of pain relief. And uh, what pain relief will do if you're on a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of painkillers, it just bungs you right up, and yeah. you just, yeah, you can't go for a long time. You don't and I had a week. <laughs> yeah, my longest is 21 days. Whoa! Hang on. Back up. <laughs> yeah. Hold up. 21 days? Yeah, 21 days. I went to, I had to see a allergy specialist in that time. And I remember saying to him, and at this point, my fibro was undiagnosed. We didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And I remember saying to him, you know, I'm having this really bad back pain. We don't know what it is. And, and loads of things were kicking off at once at that point. And he sent me for an x-ray um, to check that my you know the check that my fibro wasn't actually like a broken bone in my back yeah. and um when and I also said in that appointment also I'm like having real problems I haven't been to the bathroom for a while to we need to do something about it like, it's fine just drink lots of water and then the next week I went back and he was like we got your x-ray back there's nothing wrong with your bones but man you are blocked up but I was like I know I told you <laughs> <laughs> oh no like were you okay because I've been there and any, any, anyone listening is like, did this turn into a shit cast? Yes, it did. Uh, but no, when, oh, I, when IBS people like meet each other, like the world opens up and you finally have somebody to talk to about the thing. So this, this is what's happening right now. Um, yeah, so the IKEA story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was on a third date, hadn't been to the bathroom for quite a long time. And uh, when, when that happens, when you've got to go, you've got to go. And also you know that if you don't go in that time period, it's going to just bung up again and you're not going to be yeah, able to go for yeah, like eight yeah. And uh, we, like IKEA is like a maze of small houses. So they <laughs> set it up where like they have like the bunk beds and they have a, you know, like the kitchen and you walk through one little house set up and then you go to the next little house set up and it is a maze. So you have to walk, you have to snake up and down to get through all the different parts. So I'm looking for the bathrooms and there are like, what feels like hundreds of fake toilets and fake bathrooms everywhere but the actual the actual guest bathrooms that are plumbed in and not in the middle of a store are I don't know where they were anyway I've never seen me run so fast or move so fast because at this point I had a stick and I my fibro was bad so I was like like, shuffling around and there was every corner we were out and there was a toilet but it was like a fake it was a fake toilet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's engaging. We eventually found the actual public toilets, and then, um, yeah, I disappear for quite a long time. And yeah, my poor date is just sitting there waiting. And I remember coming out, and I was very white, and him just being like, "You're right, me," but like, "No, can we get home now?" <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Was there? You know, like, was I there never a... properly explained it to him, but you oh, know. that's fine. <laughs> he was probably like, "What is this person? What is wrong with this person? What's happening?" Um, <laughs> Was there a fourth date? Uh, there was, yeah, yeah. We did. Oh, date there was. I was expecting you to say okay. no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
<laughs> so, so <laughs> speaking of sexist pain relief uh, for invisible and visible disabilities, what mm-hmm. uh, what what thing gets what, what like sex thing with a partner gets your makes your pain stop? Ooh, I think it's um, uh, I think it's a combination of being very aroused and then having like physical like physical pleasure, and I'm not sure that it actually takes the pain away but it it sort of overrides it if you can have if you pleasure in in your body then you can definitely override it and at the point where you're kind of getting towards having an orgasm then you've definitely kind of overridden so much of that that you're kind of yeah really in the mood i mean i know i was doing it like 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 45 (laughs) minutes ago no i was sucking some i was sucking some really nice dick and i and i and my spasms were they were there but i was like i'm not focusing on them right now I would much rather choke on your dick. So that's what I'll do, even though I'm in an immense amount of pain and I'm not saying anything because that's not sexy. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, so for me, I guess my like my, my pain relief is some dick sucking. Also, I think making out is a super, a super like awesome pain relief because it forces you to focus on an, another person, like literally uh-huh. in, in your space, and you can't uh-huh. think about the pain because there's a face on your face. <laughs> There is a face on your face. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode will be us giggling. It's fine. This is great. I love it. <laughs> um, do you have any other stories around like the IKEA story? It's hilarious. Do you have any, <laughs> did you eat the meatballs there? Is that why the like what brought on the poo? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, maybe it was the walking around. Uh, maybe it was the seeing all the toilets. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't eat the meatballs because uh, of my allergies. I don't. I don't eat out in restaurants and things like that. So, um, oh. would have been packed lunch all the way. So, like dating. Okay, so let's let's move there for a second. So, like dating for you then, because when you typically go out with somebody, you're like, hey, want to go get get a bite? Want to go have a coffee? <laughs> like <laughs> because of all your allergies, what ha- what does that look like? So I'm very cheap to date. I always do make that joke that I'm very cheap in that I don't eat out. And I don't drink alcohol. Uh, that you know, that was a choice. But the eating out is, and so yeah, I'm I'm pretty restricted on on you know the kind of classic dates you could go on. Um, I tend to host a lot in my house because then my house is not free, um, and I cook here. I I like cooking, so I tend to have people over here and and, and cook for them here and kind of do do the dating from my house. Um, yeah, me too. I'm I'm a big house dater. Like I I just the dude that I just spent some time with. I, I invited him over and it, it's there's something really calming about inviting a guy to your house because it's like I can relax I can take a breath because this is my space I'm in control here more than I, I would be at their house now I also said to this guy during the dick sucking about an hour ago I said like I also wanted to suck your dick at your house can we figure that out like can we have a session there and he was like yeah sure I'll just lift you above my head and I like I literally went okay like <laughs> sure and this guy and I I'm not going to say who he is, but I'm gonna des- I'll describe him. He's 6'6", six, six, blonde hair, looks like if Heath Ledger was 6'6", six, six, and had a little bit more muscle, this is what he looked like. I wanted to dot, this beautiful man was in my house saying, I want to suck your dick, and I want to make you come, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, whether I'm paying... <laughs> that was whether, amazing. It was, it was literally, I'm still like, I don't know what's happening. It was great. Um... Uh, but so <laughs> one of the things about allergies that you put in your farm in the very first bullet point, I died when I read this, uh, <laughs> you, you said the story of getting officially diagnosed with a sperm allergy 
Now, I know those are a real thing because I looked it up right after you, like, right after I read that. I looked it up, so I know it's real. But I want you to tell, I want you to tell me the story of you being diagnosed with a sperm allergy. So I'm, I'm not trolling you. It's real. Um, but, yeah, it's super rare. It is very rare. Um, so I've had very severe allergies since I was um, about 16. Um, and they've kind of gotten worse over the years. And I've had quite a lot of anaphylactic shocks. So they're quite... Um, that's sort of landed me in and out of hospital um so they were already pretty severe and um about four years ago I think I I sort of started developing an intolerance to sperm where if it got on me it would kind of burn and if it got inside me it would you know be really painful um I didn't really know what it was so I just sort of like um avoided having contact with it and um a couple of years ago I went to see my allergist and and this was just a normal routine appointment and I was very anxious and my mum was there with me and she was like why are you so anxious we've done this so many times before this is this is not a problem so I get in there and I say my doctor says at the end of the appointment have you got any other questions and I'm like uh yeah is it possible to be allergic to sperm <laughs> and, and I came out of the appointment my mum was like I could see why you were worried <laughs> um but yeah, so and then for years, they, you know, they kind of said to me, um, it's very rare to be actually allergic to it. You're most likely intolerant. Um, and at that time, I mean, they just did. Isn't intolerant in sperm, isn't intolerant and allergic kind of almost the same thing? So it's basically the kind of um, the severity uh, of what you have, a how strong your reaction is to it. Okay. Um, so if you're just intolerant to something, then it might cause... Um, like if you're intolerant to your skin it might just cause some redness or some itchiness and if you're intolerant to food then it might cause um like ibs type symptoms um it can still be very unpleasant and um can still be um you know not very nice but it's not dangerous in the way that it won't um it, if you have an intolerance rather than an allergy um it uh, shouldn't be life-threatening so if you have um an allergy to something it's a different response that your body gives off it releases a lot of um histamines and other chemicals and it basically thinks that that foreign um, object is a real threat and it releases so many chemicals into your body that you can go into what's known as anaphylactic shock um, and that can kill you if you're not um, uh, if you don't have the right treatment um, quickly thanks for that primer because I because so but okay that that all right because I was gonna say like maybe they should call it lactose allergy versus like yeah, so most people who have um, a lactose intolerance, it's because they can't di they can't digest the and they don't have the right enzymes to digest um, the lactose that's in like milk and things. But you, there are a very small amount of people who are actually allergic to the to the lactose that's in um, uh, that's in milk and cheese and things like that. So they are different things. So are you? Hang on, are you allergic to sperm? Then are you like? like yeah. So, like, <laughs> so what you're saying? Yeah. So now that you've given us the primer, what it means is that the sperm. <laughs> so so i'm gonna be super i'm gonna be super graphic in my in my in so if a guy comes if a guy comes in your mouth and you and like if your partner comes in your mouth which uh -huh. is my favorite thing by the way p.s future lovers of andrew come in my mouth um but <laughs> if, if your if your partner does that to you it could you could you could die yes very definitely um, in that a few years ago I was still kind of like having it internally like um, and it was causing problems wasn't causing a lot of problems um, and in the 
uh, about a year and a half ago, it suddenly got a lot, lot worse because the advice from the doctors had been to continue exposing to it because if it was just an intolerance, it would get better over time. Um, and over steadily over about six months, it just got really, really bad. So I'd stopped like getting it in my mouth or getting it inside me because it was so, so um, painful. Um, and anytime I got it on my skin, it would come up in like a very really big red rash. Um, and then there was one time where I got really, really dizzy and I had to lie on the floor and my blood pressure dropped um, and I could feel like the inside of my ears starting to swell up. And I know that that's my kind of like bad allergy <laughs> reaction. Like, and also because, like, I'm just trying to picture, like, when typically you have sperm on you, you are in already a vulnerable position with a partner. Both both parties are usually naked, the vulnerable. They're in what is, what are not, like, safe medicalized positions. They're in, oh, yeah, I just came all over. It feels great. I can't imagine you, like, <laughs> like lead me through that. So, so, okay. So you're on the floor. With, <laughs> I'm on the floor covered in sperm no um so <laughs> so what what we what we used to do what I used to do before before it was officially diagnosed was I used to I wasn't getting it internally or in my mouth because I thought that was probably a bit too dangerous um but I was still getting it on my skin because they basically said if you can continue to expose to it the intolerance should get better yeah. um and then so what we were doing was I was getting it on my skin, um, which I find incredibly sexy and amazing. And it's one of the worst things I can't have it anymore. Um, oh. And then I would go straight to the shower and wash it straight off. So it's not the best way to kind of end, you know, you have sex, you have an amazing time. And then you're like, you know, you're, run to the shower. Yeah. you're like there for about five seconds. And you're like, quick, wash it off. And often I go in the shower and then I'd be like, no, I think it's still on me. And I go back in the shower and, you know, um, so, yeah, it wasn't very conducive to having a very relaxing time. Um, but, uh, yeah, then I went and, and had uh, official testing and that came back that it was um, that it, that it was a it was an actual allergy. And now they've said, you know, you can't get it on you or in you or near you. You need to be super duper careful. Fuck. So like this, this changes like and you mentioned in your thing, this changes your like chances of, of having kids. This changes all of that for you. How? When they when they came down with that diagnosis, like what was your how did you how did that make you feel? Yeah, it was tough um, because I'd spent a, cu a good couple of years with them. It was a while before they even agreed to do this test because they said, um, you know, most people that have this is just an intolerance, which means it's, it might be unpleasant, but it's not dangerous for you. You're not going to be at risk of dying. Um, and at this at, at the point where they did the test, even the whole day of doing the test, they'd been really reassuring. They'd been saying, um, you know, this is not you know we expect it to come back just an intolerance not an allergy like it's not going to happen and they you know they do the skin test on your on your skin on your arm yeah. um and then they leave it to kind of sort of bake for 10 15 minutes and then they came back and then <laughs> and they look at it and then they go oh no that that is oh yeah you are actually allergic to it and before they basically do anything else they just say you are you are really very allergic to this um do not get it anywhere in you or on you. And that means you cannot have a baby. And when you want to have a baby, come back and we'll talk to you about IVF. And I was like, Whoa. oh, okay, that's big. And and very, you know, they just moved so quick. It was so medicalized. Yeah, it was like, boom, boom, boom. Can't have kids. Bye. There goes your life. Like, any, there, there it is. Yeah. And, you know, they are, they're a great allergy team. And they're super receptive to the fact that if I want to have kids, they'll 
they'll like talk me through the different options like there is a possible treatment you can possibly do desensitization where they start to inject you with more and more you know um they they build they, they put it a very small amount in you and then they inject more and more and more until you can tolerate it and you build up a tolerance to it yeah. um, so there's a possibility of doing that um there's also sperm washing which is where you take the actual sperm because i'm actually not allergic to the sperm i'm allergic to the fluid around it the seminal fluid so like the ejaculate um, yeah, exactly. So they can spin out the sperm and then float that in another thing and use that to artificially inseminate. So there are options for when I want to have a baby. It's not all, um, you know, it's definitely not decided, but it will definitely have to be kind of medicalized um, to in order to do that. But I think the fact for me that they that they moved so quickly from it was almost like your sex life doesn't exist. And I've I've had this with, with other doctors at other times with other illnesses, but. Um, you know, where they they don't want to talk to you about, you know, how it impacts on your sex life or what this drug is doing to your sex life. Um, but for this one, where they didn't want to, I mean, I'm literally allergic to sex or literally allergic to, <laughs> is that going to be the title of the show? <laughs> I, I, there, there are already, there are already so many possible titles. <laughs> like, there's like, there's like fake toilets and, and, <laughs> fake toilets and IBS there's there's aller- but definitely allergic to sex is right up there <laughs> and I'm sure in the next in the next like little bit you'll come up with five more I'm, it's, it'll be a, it'll be a toss-up and I might have to I might have to put it on my Twitter and be like okay so the episode title for this should be <laughs> people can pick their favorite yeah. <laughs> um yeah so I mean I'm it, it can't be any more about about sex it is a it is something that only comes up when I'm having sex so for them to be so you know they just skip past all of that and they make it all about wanting to have a baby you know they just say I mean one of my doctors won't even say the word condom to me he what? says barrier he says barrier methods he's like as long as you're using barrier methods it should be fine and I'm like but like can we... everybody in the right mind knows what a condom is <laughs> exactly and actually you know by not using that language they may get people that that, that don't, don't understand what they mean by saying barrier methods. Like, oh, should I just put some cling film down? Will that be okay? Yeah, because like, if the doctor said barrier methods to me, I wouldn't immediately think condom. I'd think, well, okay, like, what's what barrier? Yeah, exactly. Like, can I just make my own barrier? I, you know, yeah, exactly. So, and so you uh, me- you mentioned with with the allergy, like you you had to lose out, miss out on some sex things that you really enjoy. <laughs> what what? What are those sex things that you can no longer, like, what are those things that you used to, like, I, I'm picturing you, like, here's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing you with a, a face full of cum. <laughs> a face full of cum. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you, that's the title. Any- so many titles. <laughs> um, yeah, so I definitely say the main one is, like, not, not getting to, not getting to someone to be able to come on me. Um, and actually that never used to be a really big trigger of mine and then in the year between the doctor saying you're only intolerant to this you should expose as much as you can um, or like you should expose every time you have sex basically you should get it on you so that your intolerance you know it gets better Um, that really like ramped it up for me in that I really you know it started to become a a thing that really gets me going and makes me incredibly excited and super sexy and I love it and I don't uh, really know why and now to have that confirmed as, and to have it get a lot worse and have it be confirmed as a natural allergy and then say no way you can't do that anymore that is a real it's a real oh. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also frustrating for you too because like you because 
being that you have allergies, you have invisible disabilities, you have visible disabilities, you have all those things together. Like, here's another thing that the community, that someone's taking away from you. And like, something, we take that for granted. Something as simple as somebody coming on us is like, a really simple thing you do with a lover. I mean, it didn't happen for mm. me 20 minutes ago, but it will, like, it will at some point again. Um, and so, like, it's a really simple thing that we take for granted when, we, when we're with somebody and we're fucking around that, like, there's an expectation that, yeah, I'm going to get cum on me right now. This, like, mm-hmm. So to know that you can't. Like, you also mentioned that, that like, the testing and all that stuff really bonded you with, with, with your partner. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the the test is not um, straightforward. So when they do an allergy test, uh, the way they do it is they take um, some of the sample, they dilute it and they inject it just under your skin and make like a little blister of of the thing that you're allergic to. So that's what they do for drug allergy testing. Um, And so... It was it was a, a pretty interesting process because they sent me this letter saying you're coming in for drug allergy testing. Now I knew that what what, what that meant, but um, it was like a generic letter, and it just said this is your appointment time. You don't need to bring anything with you. So I rang up and I said, Are you sure I don't need to bring anything with me? And they were like, Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We've got everything we need here. And I was like, No, no. Are you sure? I, I'm having. I, I'm, I think I think I have an allergy to sperm. Like, do you have samples of sperm lying around? And if so, I don't think I want to use them. <laughs> so then they were like oh no okay well you need to bring your partner with you so they said bring him with you and we'll do the sample here and then we'll use that and when we got there we were sitting in the waiting room and one of the doctors comes out and and he goes did you bring the sample with you and so we go no you said to do it here and he looks as worried and goes oh no i like i don't know what to do now and he disappears and then we go our appointment and then a different doctor says bring the sample with you and then we're like no you said to do it here like and so these people just keep asking us like where's the sperm (laughs) (laughs) anyway the way they do it is they um they take small amounts and inject them under your skin and if you have like if it if it if you have like a reaction around it where if it goes really red then they can tell that you're allergic yeah Um, but because it's a a biological substance they wanted to do a control um so I, I don't know i don't think they normally do this but because it's being um because it's yeah taken from somebody so they said to my partner would you mind doing the same test um so uh my partner must have been the weirdest afternoon he came with us came in a cup and then had it injected into his own arm to see whether he was allergic to his own sperm <laughs> oh. um which is good. It turns out he's not allergic to his own sperm, which is great. Um, and it turns out I am. <laughs> but, you know, it was it, it was lovely because I've been through, I must say it was lovely. I mean, it was a difficult afternoon, but I've been through, you know, so much of being in hospital and ha- having emergency treatment for my allergies. And then, you know, for my other illnesses, I don't have a lot of like treatment plans. I don't have to go to the hospital a lot, but I still go and see my consultants a lot and I'm still have loads of blood tests and, you know, all those things that you go through when, when you're getting diagnosed with various things. Yeah. Um, and they were about to start the test and they do your baseline measures. So they do your, you know, your blood oxygen levels and they do your um, blood pressure. And they'd done mine while my partner was away, you know, providing the sample. And um, when he came, <laughs> when he came back, um, they put the blood pressure cuff on him, and he turned to me and said, "What does it do?" And it like it really like it floored me because I was like, I, 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 I'm so it's so ingrained in me like just going to going to the doctors, going to the hospital, like having your blood pressure taken for me is like 
like just a standard thing routine and it amazed me that someone could get to nearly 30 and and have never had their blood pressure taken and it just really wow he didn't know what the blood pressure cuff was he didn't know what it did oh i mean because i get it yeah I'm, i'm like you like i when i I when I'm in the hospital, my very first thing is like, fine, here's my arm, fine, exactly. do like here, to, like start, uh, yeah, yeah, like start. I can't. Like, oh, it, it made him understand. Like, oh, it's that's cute. Yeah, there was like you know, and it was and it was nice to share that. Normally, it's just me getting poked and prodded and blood taken and this, that, or the other. And actually, to get to share that, and I was really apologetic to him because I was like, I'm sorry, you have to go through all this too. And he was like, No, it's really kind of quite interesting because. You know, I get to share this with you. And yeah, it was really, it was, yeah, a, a weird afternoon of bonding. It was lovely. <laughs> I find that the in Canada and in North America, the, the hospitals, the way they treat disability is pretty shit. Is it the same in, in the UK? Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, we have, uh, we obviously have the NHS. I love the NHS. It's fantastic. Um, you know, one of the best things is knowing that I can call an ambulance if I need one and I'm not going to get a bill, um, yeah. you know, in a couple of weeks time. And that is, is amazing. You know, I, I've, I've had probably what, 13, 14 ambulances now. So, um, that would be pretty expensive and I wouldn't probably be able to afford my medical insurance. So having the NHS is fantastic. Um, and if you can get in with the right team, like my allergy team are fantastic, but I was very, very ill about four years ago and someone like another consultant got me into them and they're probably one of the best in the country and I'm very lucky to be under them so I think your care really varies depending on where you are in the country and like you know who you're lucky enough to see um I think it is you know really potluck but um yeah because I I just know that my experience of hospitalization in Canada and in the U.S. because I've done both has been just really shitty because I'm a disabled person they don't know how to do care um and I know that there's a lot of disability cuts happening in the UK right now like a lot of disability services are being are being taken away so Mm. I I was just curious like from from your experience what it's Mm. I think most of my care has been like I've only ever ever been hospitalized for like short periods of time and because of the nature of my disabilities I haven't needed a lot of like the kind of um like physical care and things like that um so it really has been kind of more their attitude towards things and you know and they and and I suppose I think one of the things that's frustrating for me is they never look at the whole picture like I have lots of different things wrong with me and so you have to go to a specialist for each one one will put you on a medication and then you're going to see another one and they'll say no you shouldn't be on that that's bad for this thing and like you never get you never get an understanding that that you are a complete human being and you have multiple things wrong with you and they need to all be looked at together. Yeah, I'm a whole person and all these things play off each other. So, yeah. like, don't forget that. Um, so you're allergic to sperm. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you have to get imaginative imaginative to com- combat it. How, what, what is the, what's the, what, what, like, so what tricks and tips do you have for people who may also be allergic to sperm? Um... Uh, so um, tips and tricks for people allergic to sperm well I I hope there's not that many other people out there if there are hit me up on social media because I'd love to find someone else I cannot find anyone else who's actually got a diagnosed allergy I found other people who have intolerances but I've not found anyone else who has actually an allergy so if there's anyone out there anyone listening who who can't have sperm because they might die let us know 
Um, yeah, so one of the things that, uh, that, that we started doing was trying to work out why I enjoy, uh, <laughs> why I enjoy people coming on me so much. And, um, cause and it then... feels awesome. <laughs> cause it feels awesome. Exactly. But, but if we can work out what it is that I like, then we can possibly replicate it. Um, so I haven't quite worked out what it is that I specifically like about it it's not just I, I don't know I think it's a whole thing it must be a whole package because it's not just about texture and things like that but um we've gotten inventive with some shower gel and dripping things and snow and things like that so <laughs> I mean I mean not that I want to like dangle this carrot over you but when somebody I will say when somebody comes on you there's a real moment of like connection because that's really what you like there's a connection mm. with the with the the person that's doing it to you, mm. and so when they the, can't, you lose that. Like like where your partner comes now, they have to like. I'm assuming I'm gonna just suggest they have to like pull out and then come mm. in their mm-hmm. hand or come like around yeah. you, but not also they can't get, put it on yeah. you because then you're gonna get hurt. So I can imagine for your poor partner trying to like. Okay, well, I'm really in the mood and I want to like shoot my load right now, but I can't because if I do, then Charlie's gonna get really sick. Yeah, and and we have to be, you know, we are extra careful. Like even with condoms, like pe- people never come in me because if it breaks, then it that is going to threaten, you know, that yeah, is that's going to literally really threaten your life. Like shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so there's almost like sort of preventative measures as well. Um, yeah, but you know there are some other suggestions. Like uh, one thing we've discussed is getting like a full body latex suit and then doing it anyway, because obviously condoms are made out of latex. So if you can wear latex, then you could just you know wipe it off afterwards. That's think, uh, that's one suggestion. I think you would look quite attractive in a latex suit. And if you, Thank you. if you decide that that's the route you want to go, please take a picture. And I and, and DM that to me because that's something I need to see. <laughs> um, and the other suggestion is getting some kind of uh, squirty dildo and filling it with some kind of, uh, you know, sperm that's non-toxic. Okay, and well, then just you know what? Actually, there there is there is a sex toy in the UK. I don't remember who it's. I don't remember who made it. But I found it online a couple of years ago, and I really wanted it. There's a dil- there's a chocolate dildo you can buy, and you can fill this thing up. I swear to God, you can fill this thing up with hazelnut cream, mint, whatever fucking kind of cream you want, <laughs> and it will shoot, on, not shoot, but you can like bite into it or whatever. You can, it'll like drip onto you. So I will find it and I'll send it to you because. Ah, uh, that sounds amazing. I mean, the problem with that is I probably can't eat it or have it near me because of my other allergies. So. Oh! <laughs> Because chocolate's one of the things I'm allergic to soya, and soya's usually in chocolate. So I'm not actually allergic to chocolate itself, but usually allergic to the things that are in it. And I'm very badly allergic to nuts and peanuts. So if it's made anywhere near peanuts, then yeah, but great idea. Let me look. We should. I'll look at it. Ask them to manufacture one in a nut-free environment, free of all my allergens, and then yes. (laughs) Okay, so I'm hopefully coming to the UK in September. When I come, I will get one, and I. Okay, can you can you be around people eating it? Yeah, sure. Okay, so <laughs> I'll eat it and then we'll just <laughs> we'll figure out a way. I'll figure out a way. Um, Amazing. Uh, <laughs> so what? I don't know how to segue out of that because it's too funny. But um, I th- one of the things that you brought up in your in your form, which I really admire that you brought up, and it's, it's always hard to talk about. You brought up 
the the desire to talk about PTSD and to include it in your discussion of disability and to include sexual trauma and PTSD. Um, if you feel comfy and safe to do so, let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I thought about, you know, kind of talking to you and not including it. Um, I think uh, we probably would have had plenty to talk about with all the other things going on. I don't think, you know, 45 minutes and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really thought it was important for me to talk about it. Um, and one of the reasons for that was because when I was very early on in my trauma processing and my sort of early stages of PTSD, I remember very vividly going to um, a talk at my university and I can't remember what it was on, but there was a panel discussion. One of the women on it was talking about um, the trauma that she's ex she'd experienced as a child um, and she was talking so eloquently and so um, like amazingly and, and I remember sitting in that audience and being you know completely distraught that I thought I will never get to a stage where I can talk um, without being so full of emotion that I can't you know, not have a panic attack or start crying or actually talk about my experiences. Um, and so it was really important. I think, you know, essentially what we're talking about here is that, you know, the story of, you know, my sex life and me as a person. And actually th that story is not complete if you leave out my PTSD because it has such a huge impact on my sex life um, that I, I I don't think I could have had this discussion and or felt like we were having a full discussion of, you know, who I am and what my sex life is about um, without talking about it. Well, I, I'm so glad you want to because people have approached me about talking about PTSD and sexual abuse and I... I, I, I want to, but I always feel really, it's always such a tough thing to be like, sure, we'll talk about that because I'm like, I don't want to trigger this person. I don't want mm -hmm. them to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to hurt another disabled person and bring back pain for them because we go through mm -hmm. so much. We go through so much ableism in our day to day. Like, I don't want to be like, well, mm -hmm. which is why before we hit record, I said to you for like a good five minutes, mm -hmm. I was like, you, you walk me through there. I'm not going to, I won't go there because I, this, this isn't about like the show's ratings, none of that. It, it's about, is the person comfy? So I'm honored that you mm. felt safe enough to even include that in your in your questionnaire because like most people don't want to. And I, I've had other potential guests come to me and say, "No, I want to talk about abuse." So it it's not a it's never a fun topic, mm. but I think because it happens to so many of us who, mm -hmm. are, who are disabled, whether it be physically, mm -hmm. sexually, emotionally. Like I've been emotionally abused pretty much mm -hmm. in every iteration of a relationship that I've ever had. There's been some, so mm -hmm. if I really look at it, if I really look at the way other men have treated me, I have definitely been abused. And mm -hmm. That it sucks, but I'm glad that we, and I think I just came out and did that for the person on the show, yay. But mm. that's, you know, and so I'm really glad that you want to talk about it because the, those traumas, they stay with us and that's part of why, mm -hmm. and I, I've said it before on the show, that's part of why I'm, I'm a little bit needy, I'm a little bit clingy, I'm a little bit like, I'm 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 the puppy dog that wants you to stay all the time because mm -hmm. every time I turn around, someone's left or they said a mean thing or they were ableist or they. So I get where all that I get why trauma can be hard to talk about, and I also understand why sex can be like therapy, and it can be mm -hmm. like that's why I love working with sex workers now because I can be friendly with them when they're here, and then they can leave, mm -hmm. and there's mm -hmm. a nice safe boundary of like yeah they were here for two hours and we fucked around uh -huh. and it was a good time uh -huh. but i don't have to emotionally invest in that person because uh -huh. but i'm what, what i'm learning with with my experience of sex work is that 
working with sex workers is that you do emotionally invest, even if you're paying mm. them, and even if there's money put down, I have emotionally invested in people that I've paid mm. because we're disabled and we have to emotionally invest because nobody, you know what it is? It's because nobody else has emotionally invested in us a lot of the time. So it feels nice to be like, I'm going to emotionally invest in this because then somebody will give a shit maybe. Mm. Mm. And I think that's so right what you're saying about, you know, so many um, disabled people having been abused. And, I, and I'd say um, that alongside that is, um, you know, it's very a common experience for women as well. Um, you know, I went through the first few years of, of my trauma healing, thinking I was completely alone and knowing that there were other people out there on the Internet and things like that, but not knowing that anyone else in my life had experienced things like that. And when I got a few years in and I started talking about it and I started, you know, opening up and sharing with people so often the response from other women was um me too i've you know that's that's happened you know and the me too movement's become so big you know in the last year or so and and that's awesome because because women are sharing and, and sharing things that have happened to them um and that was amazing for me and i think that's one of the reasons it's so important to talk about um for you know marginalized groups women and disabled that yeah. that that the people in there are people that have been abused and are not alone like you who would be shocked and appalled at the number of people that i think it's so hard to get actual numbers on because we don't talk about it um and we keep it quiet um and and actually at the time when i really needed lots of support that was the point where i couldn't talk about it and i was very you know silent and and actually nowadays i can talk about it more freely but i need less support now because it's you know i've done a lot of my processing i'm i'm doing much better so actually now at the point where I can access that help and I've got lots of people around me who know what's going on I don't need it as much so I think it's it's one of those things where like you know just know that you're you're not on your own if and there are lots of people that have that unfortunately have that shared experience as well and anyone who's listening anyone who's listening to this right now who's going through stuff and who wants to talk about it obviously you don't have to come on the podcast and share like we've done you but you can reach out to me and I will, I'll do my best to find resources because they're out there, and people have reached out to me and said, I want to talk about, about abuse. I want to talk about how disability plays into that. So I don't want to say come on the show and be a guest, but I want to say anyone who's listening who needs somebody to talk to, pop me an email, and we'll, I'll do my best to provide support where I can. Mm -hmm. um, I think... I think that's really great, and, and, and also just, just to add that, like... I, me six years ago was saying if someone had said to me you're going to go on a podcast and you're going to talk about <laughs> how much you love people coming on you and also <laughs> the fact that you have PTSD you know there's no way I would have believed you or thought that I was at a point where I could even you know say the words trauma or um, you know or, or abuse or PTSD without being in floods of tears and having a panic attack and needing to cry for two hours you know um, it, it does get better um, and it and it it does get better it's hard and it's a really hard process and and hopefully you can get lots of people around you that support you but um you will get there yeah you will and if you if you don't have people around you right now to support you you have this show um you have people who they on the internet type in disability type in hashtag disability I, i've said this a bunch mm -hmm. on the show go on any social media and type in hashtag disability and the community mm -hmm. will pop up out of nowhere and you'll find your people, I promise you. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to move to something that I really like in your in your like paragraph worth of things that we can talk about. <laughs> One of the things I really like was that you, you, your disabilities, you said your disabilities have changed the speed of sexual exploration and realization of your sexuality. Um, and you said, there are ways I feel like my illnesses over the years have sped up the connection to my sexuality 
discovering masturbation really early because I was a child forced to rest a lot. So, um, and then you said, but recently my PSD shut down my exploration. So talk to me about like that transition from, just tell me more about how disabilities have both sped up and slowed down your sexual exploration. Yeah, so um, I think uh, I think uh, you just said it. As a child, I, my I I don't think I would have become like a sexual being as early as I did had I not been ill as a child. So I was ill, at, you know, as an early teenager. Um, and I, before I got ill, I was super busy. You know, I was doing things morning, noon, and night, and here, there, and everywhere. And would go to sleep and would go to bed. And my only kind of like time on my own would be like time to go to sleep. So I just don't think I would have taken that time to kind of be in tune with my body or be exploring my body. Um, but when I was first ill as, as ill as a child, there was like a structure put into my routine where it was like I think it was like two till three every afternoon. You need to be in in your room on your own resting no matter how well you are you need to have that structure um and so for me um I um I I think you know I, I just don't think I would have kind of connected to my body and discovered masturbation at that early age had I not been ill um and actually it it plays forward into what I feel like now like now sex is pain relief for me and actually at that early age as well like masturbation and orgasm was pain relief for me as well um not that I knew what I was doing um I wasn't until I was like 15 or 16 till it twigged that it was masturbation <laughs> um and I think I think looking back I was like oh I discovered that super early but I think I've learned more about like childhood masturbation I think it's a bit more normal now I think it's not something we talk about a lot but you know people uh, find their own bodies in hopefully safe ways like in all stages of of growing up so um yeah it's not something that I'm particularly worried about I'm not that I've ever really told anyone that before but there you go telling everyone well on the you podcast. just told some, <laughs> you just told a couple thousand people so <laughs> I mean I don't know if it's, I don't know if like thousands of people listen to the show but I'm gonna pretend they do so yeah like there it is um <laughs> but I think what I like about that story is I like that uh I like that in a way your disability helped you kind of have a sexual awakening and usually we hear stories the other way where your disability has taken that away from you and I mean in your experience it sounds like both have both have happened your yeah. disability brought you the chance to masturbate and become more sexually mature while also being like hey you're allergic to sperm there goes your yeah. like favorite thing so I can imagine you have a you have a love-hate relationship with these two identities yeah and um and I definitely feel in the recent years um you know my PTSD has definitely slowed down you know my kind of branching out and exploration and things you know it's starting to come back in the last few years but um you know it was definitely a point where um you know sex was definitely therapy and it was work and it was hard work and and it was processing and you know every time I had sex I ended up with panic attacks and being you know really kind of very emotional and and distraught and and so um you know, I didn't, it, it wasn't necessarily a fun activity that was like full of um, exploring. Like sex, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and I think I, you know, I'm not quite sure how these two link together, but I feel like there is some kind of connection that I, I feel like I'm pretty late in discovering that I'm not straight. You know, I uh, grew up in, when I got to a teenager I started being attracted to boys and therefore I was like well I'm straight that's what the world has told me and actually it's only the last uh, last couple of years where I feel like you know I've kind of come into identifying as bisexual and queer um and welcome to the club I am so glad to have you welcome 
Thank you very much. I'm glad to to be in the club. Um, and I I think that that probably I mean it it's really quite I feel like it's quite ironic. I went to I went to Wadham College at Oxford, and it's known as the Gay College, um, <laughs> which is because it's known for being progressive and liberal, and it has a high percentage of um, of students that are LGBTQ. Um, and it's the perfect place to explore whether you think you might be in that. And I went through the whole of my four years there, being like, I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> I then left and was like, oh, I'm not straight. <laughs> How did I not realize this when I was at uni? But actually, that was the point where I was doing all of my really early trauma processing. And so, like, sex and dating, yes, I was having sex and I was dating. But, like, um, I, I just think I was really closed down to it being processing and it being um kind of you know uh, yeah trauma processing rather than than exploring yeah. so I feel a little bit late to the club but I'm here now <laughs> oh no you're there and you're again your handbook will be in the mail in <laughs> amazing in, ex- in accessible formats too by the way fantastic <laughs> I mean fuck, there's not enough accessible stuff for disabled people mm-hmm. anywhere for especially mm. queer disabled people um mm. Tell me now. You also do photography, which I think is great. When I come mm-hmm. there, we should do a we should do a shoot. I would love that. That would be amazing. Because, well, um, but so with all of the things I know, I know now about you sexually. Does your like you do? I noticed you do a lot of wedding stuff. You do a lot of like formal mm-hmm. stuff. Have have you ever considered doing like sexy boudoir photos about disability and like that kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, so up until a month ago, I also had a full-time job. Um, I've now quit my corporate job and I am now a full-time freelance photographer. So one of the great things about that is I'm suddenly going to have loads more time to do the stuff that I really want to do. So I shoot weddings um, and uh, couples and families and things like that. And I love that work. I absolutely love it. Um, and But it is going to, you know, it is kind of my staple of my bread and butter and what brings in my money. And it doesn't mean that I don't absolutely love doing it. But there's definitely a big part of me that um, is super excited to explore, you know, to do some passion projects on the side. Um, you know, I do shoot boudoir. You probably won't see it on my social media because people tend to keep it private. Um, so, but I'm really focusing on on um, like how I can make a boudoir away from the traditional images of kind of that, that we see of, of kind of uh, sexualizing women's bodies. And like, if that woman wants to have those photos taken in that way, then that's fine. Um, but my boudoir is so much more focused on how do you want to be represented as an individual? What makes you feel sexy? Um, what way do you want to be incorporated? And also expand that of it's not just cis women. We want to see um, trans women and 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 um, and trans people and non- non-binary people and men and um, and all sorts of different bodies and um, body shapes and um, and couples as well and showing that love and, and commitment as well so I'm really like I'm I'm really excited about developing that side um over the next couple of years now that I've got kind of a, a bit more space and, and a bit more time I'm excited for you to develop those things because there's not like there is there's great stuff in the UK with Enhance the UK like they've done great stuff around mm-hmm. like disabled bodies and, and some campaigns and stuff but to have mm-hmm. a disabled photographer do that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and be like I I am I am where you are too. I think it's really important. So anybody in the UK who wants to hire Charlie to do uh-huh. sexy boudoir <laughs> shoots, like I know there are people out there. I know there are people out there. So hire her because uh-huh. wow, um, that's just my plug because I feel like disabled people deserve to be hired. So uh-huh. thank you. <laughs> uh, so hire her. I will be hiring her when I go there. Um, 
Uh, I'm so excited. I'd love to. I'd love to do a shoot with you. It'd be fantastic. I think we should do a shoot together with. Actually, what I'm visualizing right now is we should do a shoot with fake sperm. <laughs> with like something that won't kill you. And then have somebody else take the picture. Someone else take the photos. And amazing. That sounds incredible. That, that, uh, <laughs> that needs to happen. Um, one, one of the things that... Uh, one of the things that you wrote about that I, that I also really connected with was your choice about disclosing disabilities before um. sex and how this has changed for you over the years. Disclosure for a lot of us, and as I've mentioned a bunch on the show, is never easy and it can always be fraught with ableism and you deal with a whole bunch of stuff. How, um, what was it like before all of this and what's it like now? So um, I think with the allergy, it's it's usually like leads on fairly easily. Like I usually just like if I'm meeting someone off um, like an app, then I have to disclose to them before I meet them that there are certain things they probably can't eat if they're going to get particularly close and intimate to me. So if someone's going to kiss me, they need to have not been eating nuts or peanuts because I'm very severely allergic. So that leads quite nicely into um, then having the conversation about like, oh, I'm also really allergic to sperm because you've also you've already set up that you're allergic to one thing and then you kind of it's easier when you kind of migrate to the bedroom and I tend to like roll that conversation into the whole conversation about like um you know like talking about safe sex and talking about not having you know unplanned pregnancies and things so like I kind of just roll that like oh by the way I'm also allergic to sperm into like have you had an STI check recently so that kind of works quite well and I mean there's a hilarious like there's a, I, I'm already like there's a, a moment where you could be like oh I'm allergic to nuts and by the way <laughs> like I'm allergic to the thing that comes out of your nut. So if you could just <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing with the puns. I'm gonna I'm gonna totally use that. <laughs> that might be the title of this episode. I'm allergic to nuts and by the way. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So that one, you know, and also that one is for me like it has to be disclosed because it, it's really risky if I don't. Like I'm just gonna, you know, put myself in a situation where I'm I'm likely to to get really unwell and the last thing I want to do is end up in hospital so um that is really like it's very black and white to me that whether I disclose or not yeah. um and my fibro you know I tend to just leave that until it comes up like it, it will come up I used to go on dates and take my stick with me and then you know I just just kind of see or challenge them see how long that they, they could hold out before asking why have you got a stick <laughs> um, but I tend not to use it nowadays because it's my pain's a bit better so I don't um I don't need it as much um but, you know, the one that's really changed is is my PTSD. You know, when I was so early on in my trauma processing, I um, I, I actually couldn't, I couldn't disclose. And I, and, and I actually got myself in situations that were so much, they must have been so much more traumatic for my partners than actually just telling them. But I couldn't say the words. I didn't know how to explain it. And therefore, I'd sort of start making out and having sex with someone. And then I'd just have a huge panic attack and I'd cry and I'd, I'd, probably cry for hours before I could actually get out the words I'm having a panic attack or I had a panic attack I have PTSD this is why um and I've learned over the years that that it must be horrendous to go through from the other side and and I knew I could see that but I I didn't have the words to explain it and I couldn't explain it without being very emotional so now I make sure that I disclose to my partners before we have sex and I can be a bit more pragmatic about it I can say I have PTSD I'm probably going to have a panic attack particularly the first time we have sex um if I do this is what I need you to do like don't hold me really tight like 
talk to me it'll be fine I'll come out of it I might cry it's not the end of the world and nowadays he can just you know probably like have a few minutes and then get right back on it which never used to be possible like four or five years ago I would you know would be the end of sex because it would be so traumatic um but I've definitely learned that that disclosure is is important for me but it's also um you know gives that person information um you know on on how best to kind of handle handle that situation yeah have you found sometimes when you disclose like everything comes to a halt and they stop and it's over and it's done because they they can't like i can imagine given what like given what i now know about your sperm allergy if Uh we were hanging out and we were going to do the things and then you told me that Uh even with all everything i know about disabilities and everything i know about all the stuff i'll be honest there would be a moment where i'd be like okay um how do i not murder this person (laughs) what the fuck do i do so like how do you handle when someone like you disclose and you're vulnerable and you do all that and then they turn on their knee and go, you know what, that coffee we're in the middle of having, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go because I can't. Mm. Like, how do you? I mean, usually by the time I'm disclosing that, I'm like in their bed, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They don't usually kick me out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I think maybe it's a timing thing I think maybe if I set it in coffee then I wouldn't get invited back for a second coffee but I tend to sort of leave it right up and because I'm very like this is me this is what we're going to do to keep me safe like and I haven't actually I haven't had anyone who's turned around and said that's that you know that's unreasonable I'm not going to take it but then the sperm allergy is still quite new so I don't know if that might happen in the future so um yeah you, you, you again and I have all the paragraphs and I'm like I want to talk about this so many <laughs> feelings um uh, you know, for for the purposes of this episode, I'm gonna. I think for this part, we're gonna be done. But I'm, I want to keep you. I want to. I want to keep you on and, and do more of this for the Patreon listeners because I okay. have I have things I want to talk about. And then people, you can people can subscribe to the Patreon and you can get that extra episode or <laughs> little parts of the episode because there's so you should see. What I'm looking at, this email is uh, literally like paragraphs long. <laughs> it's which, like an essay. It's an essay, <laughs> which I love, but there's no, like, we're already at an hour, and there's no way, if we keep going, it's going to be like a three-hour episode. So, Charlie, this was literally one of my favorite conversations that I've had on the show. <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, uh, how do, how do people get a hold of you? Um, so people can find me on uh, Instagram. Uh, I need to look up my own handles because I can't remember them. And they're all different. I came so late to the social media game that they're all different. So my Instagram is Amethyst Photography UK. Uh, the Facebook is Amethyst Photographs. And the website is uh, Um And they are my work things, but you can send me messages through any of those if you want to chat about anything else as well. I will put those on the show notes and stay tuned if you're a patron of patreon.com slash critical content you're gonna get a whole other <laughs> like 25 minutes of stuff <laughs> it's not done it's just really beginning so charlie thanks so much for coming on disability after dark you are awesome thank you thanks <laughs> well there you have it friends thanks so much for listening to this episode That was my interview with Charlie Garner, all about being allergic to sperm, trying to run around toilets, looking for a toilet in Ikea when you have IBS, and trying to rearrange your sex life when, if your partner comes in you or on you, you might die. 
Uh, it was a really powerful episode. I also want to thank her for opening up about PTSD and trauma that she experienced. That was a part of the conversation that I wasn't expecting that she decided she wanted to talk about, and I really appreciated that and let, and let that part of the conversation flow. I think discussions about disability and trauma and abuse of any sort need to be talked about. They're not easy. They're not fun. And I appreciate that Charlie, with humor and honesty and, and a realness to her, brought that to the forefront. Um, I've had other people say they want to talk about that. That's something we'll broach in coming episodes with other guests, their experiences they've asked me for. But I appreciate that I'm also given a platform to do that. And I will strive to bring those conversations in as gently and as comfortably for all participants as possible. Other than that, I love giggling with her. I love just laughing about stuff and being ridiculous. And I love that I could turn the turn a fan of the show into a guest in the show. I think all of us have a story around disability and sexuality that we have the right and the, the voice to share. And if you want to do that, please send me an email to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Whether it's a minisode, a full episode, like 20 minutes of your time, whether you have a story you want to share, let's do that because these stories are important, they're vital, and they're missing from our dialogue around sex, and I want to bring them to the front of all the things and shine a big, bright, fluorescent light on them. So hit me up. Also, you can be a guest on my other show, When I Was a Disabled Kid, which I also love doing. If you had a childhood and you're disabled, come on that show. Email me at the same email address, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com to say you want to be on that show and we'll figure it out. Um, but I'd love to have you as a guest either way. I'm rambling now, but uh, this was a great episode. I loved it. Come back for more. Thanks. Bye. Also, we're not quite done yet because they, Charlie and I have a exclusive conversation on the Patreon where we talk about a whole bunch more stuff. So there's about, I think, half an hour worth of content on the patreon if you're pledging at any level you will get this stuff patreon.com slash cripple content it'll be out well if you're listening to this on patreon you're getting it a day early if you're listening to this in real time and you want to listen to it before everybody else patreon.com slash cripple content okay friends bye thank you for listening this show is great only because of you ableism isn't sexy bye Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge 
whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019